Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you that your word is truth. Lord, I thank you that it's your word that never passes away. Lord, I thank you that even when we have people in our midst that pass on, that we can go to your word, because your word will never pass away. Lord, we love you. We honor your word. In Jesus' name. I'm going to start with a quote. I'm going to read you a quote and tell you what we're talking about today. Derek Prince said this on prayer many years ago, probably 40 years ago. He says, I'm going to continue with some of the secrets of answered prayer. In fact, I'm going to deal with one specific major key to effective praying. And although this major key is clearly presented in the Old Testament and right through the New, I think the, the majority of Christians are unaware that it exists. The failure to use this key is one of the main sources of ineffectiveness in the body of Christ. No doubt you are wondering what this key is. When you hear it, you are not likely to say, praise the Lord. He was talking about fasting. Fasting. So we have a corporate fast come up. It's uh, not coming up tomorrow, which is Monday, but the following Monday, from Monday to Friday, the leadership of this church have already been in the fast for six days. So we're going to have a five-day fast that you're going to join us with. We're going to give you more details next week. But I want to talk to you about fasting. Last year, I preached on fasting for three weeks. I have enough material to preach forever on fast. It's a powerful subject. It's something that is very close and dear to my heart. I find the Western church is not as familiar with fasting as the third world church. You know, where you grow up in the third world, fasting is very commonplace. Even in the occult, in witchcraft, there was a man of God that I know, and I won't say his name because as soon as I say his name, half of you like him, half of you don't, so you don't hear the point. Uh, but he grew up in the Middle East, and growing up in the Middle East, you used to see certain people that would sit on their cloths and blankets and stick swords and stuff into them, real, not trick, and pull them out and have no blood. Now, for some of you may think that's crazy. I grew up in Africa. That happens. And as a little boy, he asked them, how do you do that? They said, oh, with fasting. If the counterfeit understands the power of fasting, how much more those who are in Christ? Now, we don't do it to get from God, never. We're going to explain why we fast today. But there is a tremendous power in fasting. Tremendous power. It's like a key. This key in my hand. It's a very unique key. It's very specific. The Bible says we are given keys of the kingdom. And I did this last time. I'm actually using the same notes I used last year. Because they're still true. This key that we have called fasting, unfortunately, it's a very specific key. It's just like this. It's different to our normal keys we use every day. And very few actually ever turn it. But when we begin to use and understand the power behind fasting and you begin to operate and to start to step into a lifestyle of fasting, you can have long fasts, a lifestyle, whatever it may be. In fact, John and Charles Wesley would not ordain a minister unless they would commit to fast every Wednesday and Friday until 4 o'clock. Wouldn't put them in ministry. And so unfortunately, fasting, there's a book, incredible book called The Atomic Power of Fasting. But if you read it, it comes at it from a very legalistic point of view. And it can put a lot of burdens, a lot of pressure. And next week, we're going to talk about how do you fast from a, new, from a position of the new covenant, from a position of grace and righteousness. Very important. 
yet most of what we're going to cover today, we're going to look in some of the Old Testament and stuff. The reason I find that many people don't find fasting effective is mostly because they don't have spiritual understanding of the Word. And because they don't have spiritual understanding, the Bible says, you when you approach God, you do so with faith. And so it's very difficult for people to fast with faith if they don't have an understanding of what it actually is and its origin. So they fast, and prayer is not even part of the topic where those two are linked together. And so we have people, I've seen people that go on like a hunger strike. You know, I'm fasting, but there's not really the true effects of fasting coming through because it's not always with faith just because there's a lack of knowledge. Does that make sense? So that's why we do that. So I'm going to try to, in two weeks, by the grace of God, um, cover fasting in a very simple way. It's going to be a teaching. It's going to be a little bit line upon line. But I want to cover it like I did last year, assuming nothing almost as if a person had never heard of fasting. So some of it may be something you know, but I'm trusting that it, the goal of today is for it to put faith in you. Because that's what the Word does. For it to put faith in you. To, to, it's not just, well, we have to do this, we do this every year. I believe one of the legacies that uh, my parents left in this church in previous leadership is that every year they fasted as a church. I just, I think it's a legacy. I think it's vital. What are we going to cover, God willing? There's a list up here. We're going to try to go through it. There should always be a testimony of fasting. What is fasting? How do we approach fasting? While they fasted in the Bible? That's what we're going to get through today. Fasting from the right position, in a sense from the New Testament. What types of fasting are there? What promises accompany fasting? You'll find most of those in Isaiah 58. So, first we're going to cover very briefly a testimony of fasting. There should always be a testimony of fasting. So last year I preached this, and Glenn and Tally, why don't you guys come real fast? They've been fast from last year when we preached them that God gripped their hearts, so I'm going to hand over to them for a few moments. Good morning, family. Clay always asks us to testify about the really fun things like finances, fasting. <laughs> so this is our testimony about fasting, and it's really our approach to fasting and how it we've made fasting part of our walk with the Lord. I always look to uh, Matthew 6, uh, 6.18, when Jesus told his disciples, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward. But when you fast, put on oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men. I've always taken two things from that. One, Jesus said, when, say when, when, it's not if, or if you kind of sort of think about maybe doing that, it's when. And the other is be intentional about fasting. So plan it. So we have fasted occasionally, you know, usually with the churches, church fasts over time, until last year when we had the 21-day fast. And we were thinking, well, how are we going to do that? You know, it's a long time to fast. And the way we fast is one meal a day. Uh, sometime during the day, it may vary, and then uh, at 5 o'clock every day, we come together to pray. It's on the calendar, it's intentional, and it's specific that we set aside that time to pray. So we're fasting. We fasted the full 21 days last year. Ken preached last summer, and in one of his preaches, he mentioned that he would occasionally spend the first three days of every month in fasting as a tithe of time. 
So you tithe your finances, you tithe your time. And that really resonated with us. So uh, we began practicing that um, every month. The first three days, we do the same kind of interim fast, one meal a day, come together to pray. And we've been doing that. Clay had mentioned in our leadership meeting in March that we were going to, the leadership was doing a 21-day fast this month. And we thought, oh, well, we'll start the beginning of April because we'll probably all start then. And little did we know, no, we're not starting then, but we did. So this is actually our 21st day of the fast. So we get to break it. But some things that have come out of this uh, time of prayer and fasting is we really, you know, we pray for you guys. We pray for life group. We pray for family, people who aren't saved. We just pray for breakthrough. And we really feel like there is a breakthrough coming for this church. But that time frame is being moved up through this fast. Like it's, not, it's not later, it's sooner. That's one thing. One thing that I've been blessed with, I've always run dreams and visions. I'm one of those guys that doesn't dream. You know, I've told some of you this. You know, I know everyone dreams, but usually don't remember it. The dreams I usually remember are just these weird mashups of things that don't make any sense. Uh, but during this fast, uh, I've had a couple of dreams that actually made sense. I remembered them. They might have a prophetic element to it. So I'm growing in that. I started to have a couple of picture visions like yesterday during the intercession training. Uh, there's been a little breakthrough about, uh, you know, some picture visions. So all that has come during this 21-day fast. And Tally has a couple other testimonies to share. Just a couple points. It's not the microwave answer that you're looking for. It is crockpot. It's like our walk with Christ. It's the sanctification. It's the journey. So when we decided last year that we were going to adopt a lifestyle of fasting, we had no idea what that was going to look like. And we wanted to model it after the Lord. What does the Lord say? So our fasting is not to be modeled by you. You need to inquire of the Lord, like David did so often. I always look to David. He inquired of the Lord when he needed an answer. And um, so that's what we did. And we were in unity. Made my life a lot easier that we're going to do it together so that our cooking and all that. But find something that works for you and your lifestyle. And of course, Clay is going to speak into the whole medical part and your health and what works. We did not come from a legalistic, we're going to fast to get. It was more fast to give, to give an intercession, to see what God wanted to do. So through that, through fasting, what we've learned is the sensitizing of your spirit man, your spirit woman gets so sensitized when you withdraw, deny yourself from food. If you are purposeful to recognize that God is speaking, he's always speaking, and he wants you to hear. He wants to, you to dial in your spiritual ear, to tune in more and more to his presence. And it's done very purposefully. So every time we go into a fast, it's, Lord, not what, are, what do we need? He knows our needs before we ask. There's a place for that. But first of all, what's the corporate need? What are you doing in our body that you've placed us in? What are you doing in our families what are you doing in our marriage, extended families? But most of all, Lord, what are you saying for us to do? How do we partner with what the Holy Spirit tells us during that fast? So the testimony for me is dialing in to hearing the Lord. 
two weeks into the fast, so a week ago here, Clay had said anyone who was, had sickness or disease in their body, come up. I did not, but I was stood in proxy for a very close family member who, like a family, but a friend, who was very sick, very deathbed, got the call, stood here for prayer, felt God was going to do something. Sunday afternoon, got the call. Surgeon said, we found something else. I mean, there's a stage four cancer in the esophagus. There were two or three other presenting huge medical problems. And we found this. I need to do surgery immediately. And this was on Sunday. I can't. He's too weak. I need to get an okay from a doc another doctor. So he really wasn't going to make it through the night. So as I went to sleep that night, I was like, Lord, I cannot go be with him. I cannot go lay hands on him. But much like Isaiah said, you know, here I am, send me. I said, Lord, here I am, awaken me in the middle of the night if you want me to pray. Awaken me so that I can intercede. And when you're fasting, you don't really want to be awakened in the middle of the night because then you're hungry, right? You're like, thank God I get to go to sleep because then I'm not hungry. I'm just being honest. You want to sleep through the night. Um, and so God was faithful. He awoke me four times. The first time was for probably a two-minute clip. Open up, okay, what, Lord? Wayne, pray. Pray what? Just pray. The Holy Spirit prayed in tongues for about a minute, fell back asleep. A couple hours later, awakened. Wayne, pray. What do I pray, Lord? Pray in the Spirit, because I didn't know what to pray. Third time, pray. Fourth time was about, I was like, okay, what time is it? Do I need to get up? Looked at my phone, 5.30. Pray life. It's his life. It was his very life. So I interceded for a half hour, you know, crying, praying, petitioning, declaring life, 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 as the Lord led me. Fell back asleep, awoke, looked at my phone. I was kind of groggy at that point. A lot of the texts that had come through from people where he is, and the one I misread that I thought it said, he's in heaven, he's in God's hands. And I said, no, no, God, you did not awaken me throughout the night. He is not in heaven. He is going to live. And so I went back through the text, and it said, no, in surgery, he's in God's hands now. So he was in surgery. Surgeon said it would be a miracle if he made it off the table. He made it off the table. He's doing better. He's getting strength. They removed his tubes. He's going to the next phase of his healing. Can you imagine how encouraged I was in the morning? Amazingly encouraged. I felt like I partnered with the Holy Spirit I heard God so specifically, and he directed me. It was a journey. It didn't happen right away. It was a pressing in, and it was inquiring of the Lord. And during the fast, when I wake up every morning, my first thought is, Lord, what do you want me to pray for today? What are you doing today? What's happening today? And there's a, a release of power that comes, and there's an expectancy that, God, you're going to do something. I don't know what it is, but you're going to do something like you've never done before and the sweetness of being close to him. I can't encourage it enough. Start small, but start with a purpose. Don't make it legalistic. And if you need to eat something, eat something. There's freedom. You know, if you're, but, and then just start again. So what is fasting? Firstly, just on the testimony of fasting again, last year, we corporately last year fasted 21 days, as you just heard, which ignited them to fast. But you know, friends, last year, this time, we were still in the school. Imagine that. You know why we fasted 21 days? For finances and for a facility. Look around. 
So we're living in a testimony, and I believe it was fasting. Last year, and this is not to brag or put anything on anyone, it's to equip. Even when we were signing the lease, the Lord came to me in a dream. He appeared to me in a dream, which is very powerful. I was shaking in my bed, and he pointed at me and said, fast until the lease is signed. And I thought a couple of days. It ended up being 31 days, and that I fasted until that lease was signed. And the waters we navigated as a body in the last year, I ended up probably fasting almost close to 58, 60 days last year. And it's just interesting because we had so many rough waters to navigate, yet it didn't feel rough. We navigated these amazing waters. We went in, it's like if we were a ship, we went past rocks, we went past, we didn't run aground. We spent nine months in one place, we moved twice. But all the things that we did, all the movement, I believe that we sit in a testimony of fasting. Amen? I don't believe that we would have been able to run in a sense the way we were going to run and go without running aground or running into rocks, in a sense, steering the ship, without the fasting. Without the fasting. It has tremendous power. So what is fasting? How to approach it? Let's go through this, if we can, pretty fast. Well, fasting. Derek Prince defined fasting as this. It's very interesting. Fasting is to abstain from food for spiritual purposes. So please hear me. I know many people, they fast social media, they fast many different things. I actually try to do that myself at some point during the fast. I build up to it. True fasting is food. Yes? It's food and sometimes liquids. If you want to look at who's who in the Bible, look at those who fasted. Elijah. Jesus. We can just stop with Jesus. He went into the desert full of the Spirit. He came after fasting 40 days, 40 nights. He came out of the desert in the power of the Spirit. He fasted. We can go through Moses, Abraham, all the people who really practiced fasting. So fasting, friends, is to abstain from food for spiritual purposes. Fasting is linked to prayer. Under what is fasting? It's linked to prayer. In fact, I believe that fasting empowers prayer. Fasting uh, accompanies prayer. Prayer doesn't accompany fasting. When you pray, when you're fasting, it's the fasting that empowers that prayer. In the book of Acts, it actually says when they were appointing leaders and authorities and churches, it says they prayed with fasting. So what were they doing? Praying, the fasting empowered the prayer. They prayed with fasting. They knew that it was important, so they had to, in a sense, turn the key that God had given them. Who's ever... By show of hands, whoever ever's had like a, a burden that's begun to rest on them, like an intercession, like you're praying, and it's just like an intercession. Okay, many of you know what I'm talking about. Watchman, he said this. He said, if a burden, talking about an intercession burden, if a burden grows so heavy that it cannot be discharged by prayer, because you all know to pray until the breakthrough comes, right? That it cannot be discharged by prayer, we should fast. When prayer cannot discharge a burden, fasting must follow. And it will actually bring a release because it has such power. So, how do I approach fasting? And I know I'm going through this fast because I want to get into fasting biblically. Very simply, I think Glenn and Telly covered it, so I'll move past it. But how do you approach fasting? You approach fasting with faith. With faith. With faith and with a plan. I've seen many people that have a desire to fast, uh, and some legalistically, some not. That's up to them. But they have a desire to fast, and they just kind of start, and they think, well, we'll just kind of work it out. I want to encourage you, set your mind on the length, on the type of fast you're going to do. I always build up to it. I start with a, like a fruits and vegetables. That's a, what we call a Daniel fast, no meat, sweets, or wine. I start with that. I go to juice. I go to water. 
if there's going to be an extended fast, 20 days or three days or four days or whatever it is for different people. If you just go straight to water, it's unwise, which we'll get into the wisdom and the medical side of it later. But have a plan. Write down, what are you fasting for? Inquire of the Lord. Lord, I desire to fast for these things. Almost every time I fast an extended period of time, what the Lord does in me is way more than what I wrote and almost completely different. But I'm still fasting for these things. I'm still lifting these things up and trusting them to him. So I'm fasting with a plan. But I approach him. The Bible says in Hebrews that those who approach God do so with faith. Faith, very simply, and I was going to actually preach on faith today, but God had me do this. Faith, very simply, is to believe more, is to believe that the unseen is greater than the seen, is to believe more in what you do not see than what you do. It makes no sense to the world to abstain from food to advance something in the spirit realm. No sense, especially to the Western-trained mind. Makes no sense. It's all over the Bible. You know that Jesus talked more about fasting than he did about communion and baptism? He talked more about fasting. Powerful. Very, very powerful tool. Very powerful tool. And few use it correctly. Few use it correctly. That's my desire is to equip us, friends, because it's such a gift. It doesn't feel like a gift. That I can, if I can guarantee you anything, it doesn't feel like a gift. But it's a gift. It's a gift from the Lord to fast. It really is because he understands the power of it. So you want to fast with faith, but you want to fast with a plan. It's difficult to fast with faith. Not everyone can take the time to equip themselves, read the book, do the studies. So I'm trying to just give us some spiritual understanding so that faith can enter. So why did they fast biblically? This is why I'm going to spend a long time on the first point and we'll run through the next. Why did they fast biblically? Go to Psalm 35 if you can. Psalm 35, verse 13 says this. Why did they fast biblically? Number one, to humble themselves. It's the main reason. Psalm 35 says this, verse 13. But as for me, when they were sick, he was praying for someone who was sick. <laughs> when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting. I humbled myself with fasting. Let me explain this this way. Not every person, you may be a proud person, or someone may be a proud person. To humble yourself is an act. It doesn't make you a humble person. Even a proud person can do the act of humbling themselves. It's an act. It's a spiritual act of, I humble myself. There's only two tasks when it comes to humility. To humble and to exalt. Two times in the New Testament says, for if you humble yourself, God will exalt you. But if you exalt yourself, God will humble you. And let me tell you, he's better at both. He really is. He's better at both. Go to Leviticus 16 if you can. Leviticus. Every time you turn to Leviticus, I can hear a, really? I actually love the book of Leviticus. It's God's word, I mean. Leviticus 16, 29 says this. Let me give you some context. It's talking about the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, for those who may be new in the Lord, was the day where, in the Hebrew world, the Day of Atonement is when they would lay hands. It was an offering for sin. It was a sacrifice for sin. They would lay hands on, that's where we get the word scapegoat, put their hands on the goat, to transfer the, you know, and they would kill the goat. The goat would leave the camp, all of that. We don't have time to get into all the different sacrifices. But it was the, the atonement for sin by the blood of bulls and goats. You know the book of Hebrews. 
the blood of bulls and goats can no longer atone for sin, okay? So this was the institution, the beginning of the Day of Atonement. It was one day where they used to do that every single year. Verse 29, Leviticus 16, This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all. That word afflict is anah. It's exactly the same word as Psalm 35, to humble. Same word. You shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict again your souls. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as a priest in his father's place shall make atonement. And it goes on from there. If you go to Leviticus 23, it says the same thing. It literally says the same thing. Friends, I just want to point something out. On the Day of Atonement, they were called to afflict their soul. The word anar, to humble themselves. I saw this a few years ago, and it changed the way I read many scriptures. When the Bible, even in the Hebrew culture, I've read some old rabbinic from Rabbi's rabbinic writings. When the Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord, it is a reference to fasting. Is it, a direct, it is a direct reference to fasting. In fact, in Acts chapter 27, I think it's verse 29, it talks about the Day of Atonement. You know what it calls the Day of Atonement in the New Testament? The Day of the Fast. So you link the day of fasting and the affliction of the soul. To the Hebrew people, it's the same thing. It was the way given by God to humble oneself before the Lord. Think of some verses that run through your mind. If my people... Who are called by my name, would humble, would fast, and pray. I've seen that verse quoted so many times, so we hold a prayer meeting. But fasting is there too. Fasting, extremely, extremely powerful. Uh, fasting is the biblical method, as I said, to humbling oneself. It's to allow, why do, what does it do? In Psalm 69, I think it's verse 10. David says this, I chastened, that's the fancy word for discipline, okay? I chastened my soul with fasting. I disciplined my soul. What are you made up of? What are people made up of? Body, soul, and spirit. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, your emotions. The way you think, your ability to make a decision, your will, and your emotions, the way you feel. Do you know that the, your soul is the arrogant part of you? Jesus was made flesh. Bible says Jesus understands our weakness. He was made flesh. He fasted. He chastened his soul so that the spirit in him would rule and take dominion and authority over his soul. Because we are spirit beings and we live from the place of the spirit. So, the soul speaks three languages. I feel. Emotions. Well, that's what I feel. The Bible says we don't live by feelings, we live by truth. By truth. I heard someone say, if a friend lied to me as often as my feelings do, I would never trust him. The language, one of the languages of the soul is I feel, I feel. It's the arrogant part of us. The other one is I want. That's the mind. I want. And the other one is, I will, I will do this. It's your will. Jesus said, not my will, but your will. 
It's not a legalistic thing, friends. It's biblical. I think, I want, or I think, that's the mind. Well, I, I think we should do this. Well, what does God think? Because you have the mind of Christ. And so sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray or we try and we, but it's, it's hard to, friends, fasting to discipline the soul to hear what he says. It is not to twist his arm. It is not to perform enough to get him to move on your behalf. Isaiah 58 says, is this the fast that you declare that you would make your voice heard on high? Said like that in Isaiah 58. Fasting is not to make our prayers heard on high. Fasting is to make us, to make us hear him. It's to position ourselves under the mighty hand of God to allow our souls to be chastened, not legalistically, in obedience. The Friends, a physical obedience brings spiritual release. Naaman, go into the river, dip yourself seven times. Why? Just do it. Okay, physical obedience, spiritual release. <laughs> I chastened my soul with fasting. To humble yourself in prayer is to fast. Almost every, and I'm afraid to say this, and I'll tell you why, I'm just being real with you. Because young people that are so desirous as I was, and to some of you, I'm still young, <laughs> but as I was so desired for God to break through and power in the miraculous, I used to fast all the time. Very, in a very not wise way. I would eat a lot of steak, pizza the night before, go to seven days water and end with this. It damaged my body. I don't do that. Use wisdom. But it was like almost for me. And so I began to research, say, God, why do I fast? And God put a truth inside of me and a desire inside of me. I almost make no major decision without fasting. To me, it sounds, it's crazy. Why would I not? Why would I not? It's a key. Turn the key. You'll be amazed what happens when you use the keys that God has gifted you. Fasting remains the God-given way to live a life that is on fire for God. To actually have a fire that burns inside of you is through fasting. Another way that word anah can be translated in the English language is the word submit. Soul, submit. Spirit, soar. Spirit, rule. You all have the same Holy Spirit within you, right? Right? We agree? Let's pretend for a moment that this room was a big block of lead. Just a big block of lead. But in the middle, just a little square about this big, there was a flame that could burn. I know it would not burn because it needs oxygen, but we're imagining, so it's okay. How long would it take for you to put your hand on the outside of that lead block and wait for that, feel that heat? Years. Okay? Spirit of God is a fire inside a person. That lead is the soul. You take that same amount of fire and you put it inside a box of paper. Same fire. Instant. Can't go near it. Fasting does that. With the Spirit of God, the fire of God that is already in you begins to rise and begins to emanate from you. It's not necessarily a one-time thing. It's not to lock yourself in a room and, God, I'm going to lock myself in a room until you appear to me. People have done that, and yes, sometimes it works. I think it's his mercy. If I don't move, he's going to die. But it's a lifestyle of saying, God, I'm choosing this. But sometimes I've seen people choose it, but there's no spiritual understanding. 
The Pharisees used to fast every Monday and Thursday. You know that? They used to fast every Monday and Thursday. But they used to fast towards righteousness, not from it. You already have it. And that's a big difference. We'll speak about that next week. Turn the key, I encourage you. Why else do you fast? To draw near to the Lord. I won't go into that. I'll just read you one scripture. Anna the prophetess, Luke 2.37. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years old who did not depart from the temple, Luke 2.37, but served God with fastings and prayer. Why? Simply desired to be closer to him. She was 84. She just wanted to be close. She just wanted there to be no barrier. She just, God, just, God, God, God. So she served God with fastings and prayer as a lifestyle because of her desire for intimacy. Not legalism, not performance, no friends. Christ came to fulfill the law so that we could be free. He fasted. He fasted. Why? To intercede for others. Again, we're going to go through this more next week. Isaiah 58, verse 6 to 10. It simply says this. Isaiah 58, verse 6 to 10 says this. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, that you bring to your house the poor? We're going to go through it next week in terms of that was physical, today it's spiritual, to share your bread, the word of God, to share truth, to share liberty with those who are in lack of revelation and truth. Is it not to break the yoke, the bondage of the enemy? Is it not to set the oppressed free? The NIV says to break the chains of injustice. That when you see the naked, you cover them, those who are filled with shame. Do not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and it goes into some promises. True fasting is on behalf of someone else. I think it's Luke 18. A gentleman, Jesus gives a parable. We get again next week. A parable about a man. He says, I fast twice a week. He would just figure his face down on the street corner. Look at me, I fast twice a week. And this other man who was a tax collector said, Lord, help me, bless me. And the Lord said, which one leaves justified? That one. Because anything done with the self-righteousness, anything done with a look at me, the reward is gone. And so that's what started to happen. This Isaiah 58, scholars will tell you and commentaries will tell you, they believe Isaiah stood up on the day of atonement, on the day of fast, and said, you've forgotten what fasting really is. And he begins to declare Isaiah 58. Are you fasting to break the yoke of someone else's life, to set their breast free, to position yourself under his hand so that gifts or whatever may come because they're given to you for them, not for you? Yet, then it goes over a list of promises for you. That's just the love of a father. When you fast correctly, well, your life will break for this book. We'll do that next week. It's very powerful. For me, these three are the essence of fasting. We'll go over more now. There's many, but for me, these three, to humble oneself before the Lord. To draw near to God and to intercede. Those for me are the three, that is the very essence of fasting. True fasting. What else? I'll just read these to you. For God's intervention in times of crisis and calamity. Let me just read you this scripture. This is just too good. It's, it's just too good. 
times of crisis and calamity. 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Chronicles 20 says this. It happened, 2 Chronicles 20 verse 1, it happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others beside them with the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea. Who's ever felt like they're under attack? Again, spiritual, physical. A great multitude, unable for you to defeat, unable for you to win, an impossibility. You are being faced with an impossibility. What do you do? Well, let's read. And Jehoshaphat feared. Let me break something religious right now, just because we love to do that. There's the scripture in Job, what I feared has come upon me. And so people fear being afraid. Jehoshaphat feared. God delivered him. There's certain things if they come against you and you don't fear, you're just not normal. We can't get so religious, well, I'm not allowed to be afraid. Friends, you're a son, you're a child of God, for goodness sake. You're still normal. But it's what you do. We turn to the Lord. And we trust in the Lord. Doesn't mean you're not allowed to have a moment of, oh my goodness. I've seen people, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to fear because then it's going to come upon me. I'm like, oh my goodness. Understand the scripture. The Lord loves you. He's bigger than that. He's bigger than that. Sorry, just religion. I just, I just hate it. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself, set himself, there's the plan. He set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from the cities that they came to seek the Lord. You want to read one of the best prayers that I believe in the scripture, go and read that prayer. Should we read it fast? Powerful. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, and in the house of the Lord before the new court, he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before you, your people Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? What an honor. And they dwell in it and have built a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence and cry out to, your, cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and you will save. And it goes on. They start with a high view of God. When you're facing something impossible, when you're facing something impossible now, I want to encourage you, when you fast, Jesus said, when you fast, when you pray, if you sin. That's what the Bible says. You can go think about that all by yourself. When you pray, when you fast, if you sin. Take this prayer. Pace. I said this last year. Pace. Literally, it's what I do. I pace. And you pray. Are you not God of heaven? Are you going to... And you pray and you fast. You will find strength and something come from inside you when you fast. And there was more when you face. Look at Nehemiah. Look at Esther. Nehemiah said, I was mourning with fastings. Esther declared a fast to save a nation. It happened in this nation. Those are fasts in this nation. Samuel Adams as governor. John Adams and there was more. James Madison. Abraham Lincoln. There was more than that, but I can give you the notes. 
all the times in this nation where a president or a governor called for the nation to fast. He called it a day of public humiliation. I went and read the old Congress reports. That's just an old fancy way of saying to humble yourself. Can I do one more? Why else do we fast biblically? In times of mourning. In times of mourning. For us today, that might be very prevalent. In times of mourning. In times of grief. One of the names of the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. All through the Bible, when a priest, a king, a judge, a leader, David for his son, when there was a loss, like Bonnie has experienced, they fasted. And sometimes it feels like it makes it worse at first. But then something, there's a mode, you break into, the only way I can explain it, because I've had to do it, you break into a mode where strength begins to come, where peace begins to come, where life begins to come. And it's almost, you cannot understand it. Friends, the ancients knew this. The Western world has forgotten. I went to a funeral many years ago about a man who died. He was only 39 years old when he died. And he was a good friend of the family, and he died. And he was very, extremely generous to a very impoverished community filled with mostly black people. And I say black because I can't say African-Americans because we're all African. We were. It's Africa. But there was this very impoverished community, and he blessed those people for so many years. They all arrived at the funeral. And us little Western mind thinkers, we went to the funeral, we did our thing, you know, we said our piece. And they waited patiently and respectfully at the back. And after that, they came to me and they said, can we go and lament? And so we checked it with everyone. They said, we just need about seven or six or seven hours. And they went and they started to wail. I judged them in my heart. I thought, That's not, it's not actual. They're putting that on. But they understood something, and I learned a lesson that day. They started in the natural, but they ended in the spirit. They began to wail and begin to lament and began to mourn for hours. And they were fasting. They hadn't eaten. What happens is the ancients knew this. That's how they did it in the Bible. And God has given us this key. Grief, mourning is part of life. But he gave us an ability and a key to do it so that there's supernatural comfort. And what happens is they grow old without being bitter and twisted and unforgiveness and hurt because it comes up and out. And it's biblical and it's okay through fasting. We'll leave it there. I'll just read you the rest of the list to return in our hearts to the Lord when you need direction for your life. It's all out of the Bible. Ezra chapter 8. Where shall we go? So they declared a fast to seek healing of all forms, to get revelation from Scripture, to set people into ministry. Elders, apostles, they fasted to find breakthrough. Every time they fasted. Ezra chapter 8. I know it went a little long, but friends, our heart as a leadership, we're six days in. Our heart is to impart faith. And I encourage you, and we'll go over it next week, to fast with us. If you've never fasted, don't fast five days, please. Fast a meal. Don't get extreme, but join us so we can learn as a body. Amen? Father, we love you. We worship you.
we honor you. Father, we pray again for the criers, for that whole family. Lord, supernatural comfort. Supernatural comfort, Lord. The comforter, may you come into that family. I pray like Samson when he died, that his death saved more than his life. Father, I pray in Jim's family that those who do not know him, may his death bring them into your kingdom, Lord. May he bring them into, his, into your kingdom through a life lived and given for you. May the seed that goes in bear much fruit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.